Welcome to Conversations with Healers, a podcast and video interview series that features intimate, soulful, and cozy conversations with self-healers and healers. Healer to healer, we dive into all aspects of self-healing and healing and being and becoming a healer. I am Damla Aktekin. I am a healer and the host of this podcast, and I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. If you are new to this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe so that you can be aware of new episodes. I also invite you to visit adropofom.com, A-D-R-O-P-O-F-O-M.com, where I share a lot of free resources for self-healing and healing, and you can take a free quiz to find out what your energetic wounds are and how they may show up in your life. Discovering what your wounds are is the first step in healing them. I hope you enjoy this episode. There is one more thing I would like to share with you before you listen to this episode. I created a wonderful container to help you process the collective trauma of the pandemic and begin to heal your energetic wounds. It is an energy healing membership called Chakra Bliss Vault. Every month you will receive three new crystal healing sessions Plus, you'll immediately have access to my entire energy healing recording library when you sign up. The membership is really affordable and will continue to be so. You can find out more about it at adropofom.com, A-D-R-O-P-O-F-O-M.com. I invite you to make your healing a priority and invest in your well-being by becoming a Chakra Bliss Vault member. This is Damla Aktikin with A Drop of Om, and I have today with me a wonderful guest that I'm so excited to talk about. Hello, David. Hi, Damla. Thanks for having me here. Great to have you. So David is a best-selling author, poet, speaker, life coach, and super connector, also called the sensorial guy. And I love, David, that you... um, your website, the, the, the motto or the mission is making living itself a pleasurable art. So welcome. Thank you. Can you tell us about your story of where, how you got to be doing what you're doing now? Oh, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever is yeah, coming yeah. as like brush strokes today. Yeah. You know, you uh, you kind of bumble along in in life, right? And at some point, you get opportunities, often by crisis, to ask yourself if you want to continue what you're doing, or if you want to explore and experiment in uh, in some other realm. And you want you feel drawn towards some interest, some maybe some skill that you have or that you want to develop, and you start exploring. And so, surely, I did that about ten years ago after being in the um, entertainment world, the movie. Entrepreneur and to become a, um, someone in, uh, call it the, the healing, uh, expansion growth space with humans and you know to, to bring more of what I feel uh, and felt I had to, to offer to kind of cross more of my interests and take more ownership over uh, my destiny as much as that is possible so experimented quite a bit in doing different things from high performance coaching to putting on live events gathering people around extraordinary luxury food and artistic expression and human expansion experiences and talks and you know other trainings and things uh, that I've done uh, here and there whether it's in the corporate world or one-on-one in the startup world or with executives in the boardroom etc 
all to bring together this sense of um, connection, uh, better connection between us and appreciation of each other. And, you know, at the end of the day, time is passing and we never know what's going to happen. So got to be serendipitous and opportunistic and maximize the opportunities that come to you and through you. And so I've just kept heading in that sense and all the long, you know, appreciating and savoring, uh, you know, call it pleasure fine or whatever, as much as possible, what, uh, what I'm experiencing and, and kind of going from from there to spread that with, uh, with other people. Um, so yeah, more or less. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we lost a little bit of it at the beginning, but I think um, we'll come back to whatever was missed. We'll, I'm sure we'll come back to it. There was an internet issue somewhere there, but I want to keep going. And I want to ask you why the sensorial guy, what does that mean? What do you want to communicate with that? Because that's also your Instagram handle is the sensorial guy. Yeah. Right? You know, I, I feel that I realized at some point, uh, in my life that life is a lot about emotions and feelings and sensations and how we interpret and give meaning to those and value those and discipline those and uh, you know receive those changes the absolute quality of our existence and if we're too caught up in our heads if we're too caught in caught up in thinking, not that thinking is not very useful, but when it becomes something that creates anxiety and creates, you know, ill-being and dis-ease and, uh, you know, something that makes it so you're almost addicted to thinking, it's your default, it's where you go for refuge, it's where you can't stop yourself from going, uh, in my sense, you know, I feel that you and I've witnessed that you kind of lose connection with the other parts of your life that mean the most, uh, from my perspective. So your relationships, um, your well-being, and your physiology, and your health, and even your prosperity in all senses of the word. So sensorial was a way to express that, you know, we have multiple senses. And even, you know, as kids, we, there are even schools that use this type of teaching, you know, Montessori and whatever to aliven us to the various ways of experiencing, experimenting with and interacting with the world. And for me, the most integrated way to live is to actually come back to our senses. I love to say, come to your senses, like I'm shaking you to help us not let the domineering, um, perhaps over-rationalizing, potentially fear-inducing um, thinking thoughts and head kind of overly rule and bully us in our lives, uh, which I don't feel leads to good decisions, doesn't lead to a, a life of experimentation, potentially more pleasure drawn out of it. And we get kind of lost in something that takes us away from tangible living. That for me comes back again to the senses. I always, you know, how many times a day am I in like a walking living meditation where I feel myself caught in some sort of thought cycle. And I literally say to myself and ask myself, where are you? Hmm. And I, it's like my head lifts up. And so I'm using my senses to then look feel the air, smell, kind of go a little bit through a sensory checklist to kind of snap me back into the present moment. And then from there also be appreciating where am I? What am I doing? Who am I with? Why is this a, a special moment, a unique moment? What's great about this? And to really allow myself to live the most alivefulness uh, possible you know, this sense of being full of feeling alive. And I really don't see how we can, we can get that and um, sense that if we've numbed our senses, if we've delegated our senses to thinking. You know, it's like, you know, it's like the question, um, how do you feel? 
And someone will answer, well, I th I'm thinking that, I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> don't pass it through here. Like, what are you feeling about this, right? You know, what is your, your instinct? What is your emotion? What, it's not, not necessarily the thought. So I think it's for a way for me to say that I know that my body has a lot more intelligence and my senses, when they're trained and practiced and brave enough to be open, that have allowed them to sense contrast and potentially conflict and unpleasant things. And I've, I've, uh, I've trained myself in sensory deprivation. So I know when my senses are actually working. So I also get some agency and some, uh, some intelligence kind of over what I'm sensing. So I can drink that one cup of beautiful coffee in the morning and that can be enough, I'm satiated. I don't need another cup of coffee or a third one or a fourth one to feel as if my senses have, um, have really taken advantage of it. And so I just, for me, it's like, I, I don't, I feel like I'm missing out on life when I'm completely caught up in just, you know, sort of a mental um, racing ahead uh, not lingering and see, savoring and observing the beauty. And I'm talking about this in everyday relationships as well as the most important ones. Um, talking about this for just overall well-being, you know, uh, like we sit around a table and have dinner and and I say this very humbly, but when you when you eat with me, I, I make you notice things, you know, and observe things and like uh, like you've suddenly put on kind of a, um, like, like everything has uh, been amplified and zoomed in and um, I'm helping kind of like create almost like a show as you're experiencing, for example, eating. Uh, and so anyway, it's like through the senses, when we don't let them just be sensory, um, you know, sensory input that has no meaning, that has no, uh, that we don't give meaning to. This is when I think we can be fall into addictions. We can be overwhelmed, and you know, and that's like again, I, I'm speaking for myself because some of those things I've struggled with, and I continue to uh, to struggle with this sort of sense of being maybe a little bit oversensitive. Uh, and so, as you help yourself become more sensorially uh, nuanced and distinctions, and you start to give value, uh, it's almost like Allergies is a great analogy, and I'll, I'll finish on here. Uh, allergies are a really great analogy. An allergy is like this, generally speaking, is an overreaction to a stimulus, excuse me, to a stimulus that we feel threatened by. And then our nervous system can go kind of in overdrive, right? Uh, and so if we're able to train our nervous system that the threat that we're experiencing is not so... Um, life-threatening and in this primal mind and you know we allow and we, we don't have to be afraid of it and it's not going to hurt us and our system can start to calm down and we can also handle more experience of life so I'll give you one example which is a physical example is uh, this whole sort of cold water cold dipping cold showering etc uh, I do cold showers if, every morning, if not dips in a pool if I can. Ideally, the water is under 50, degree, 50 degrees Fahrenheit or 10 degrees Celsius, and I'm in there for five or 10 minutes. And what that's enabled me to do is I can now go to the ocean side and go in the water pleasurably, sincerely, without feeling like, you know, I'm going to kill myself, without like finding it unpleasurable. Uh, I'm always kind of pushing a little bit because my brain is saying, you know, you're going to kill yourself, right? But it's been remeasured in my nervous system and my senses can now have the experience, which is supposedly threatening, but actually isn't. And I actually have gotten to a point where I actually get pleasure out of it. And so if you take that metaphor uh, around food, relationships, stretching anything in your life that you want to stretch, it allows you to live a way more expansive life in a way that's less cumbersome on your uh, on your energy on your immune system on your psychology etc okay so there's there's so much i want to dive into there 
um, just I want to mention the word you use on, on your writing and website to alive fullness. I love that. Um, but before we dive into a little bit deeper into the, the savoring part and all the elements, I want to ask you about um, because you you were born in the U.S. And my understanding is that you moved to France, Paris at some point. Um, and I, I was born in Turkey, and then I've been living in the States for the last 20 plus years. My curiosity about that is, how do you feel that experience of, because the way I experience it is I'm, I'm like this fish who swims in like black tea, <laughs> and then I'm taken out of the black tea one and then put into like orange juice in the, in the other country, and now I need to swim in the orange juice and get used to the senses and sensations there. I'd love to know how living in like different cultures and locations have sort of played into your, um, your sensorial experience and how you sort of develop this into a curriculum even. Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, Turkey is a beautiful, beautiful country. Um, you know, there's probably nothing more uh, growth requiring than to become an immigrant in another country, <laughs> which, which I've done. Uh, and, you know, I, I knew basically nobody here when I came and it was only three weeks after I got out of college. And I was kind of fleeing uh, the life I didn't want to have that was like a failure, the direction I was heading. And three weeks after college, I'm on a plane with a, a one-way ticket to go to Paris. And, you know, had a little mailboy job in a, in a law firm uh, to start. And, you know, I grew up in a, a relatively, you know, worldly, intellectual, artistic family. Uh, you know, my mom spoke five languages and my dad was in the entertainment world and quite you know, quite sophisticated and worldly, all these kinds of things. Um, they weren't immensely well-traveled, uh, but they were quite, uh, you know, quite aware of, you know, of different cultures and different music and all these kinds of things. So, so anyhow, I get there and I know, barely know the language and I just immerse myself as much as possible. So I don't make American friends basically, I have one out of 10 friends is American. I don't do the expatriate thing. I completely immerse myself uh, to learn French, to learn the culture by surrounding myself by foreigners, by, by French people, right? And I'm obliged, particularly 30 years ago, I'm obliged to somehow understand what's going on. You know, and like there was nothing more frustrating to me than not being able to make people laugh, right? By saying something. And so little by little, I realized I had to figure out other ways to kind of connect with people and to be with people. And I realized pretty quickly that one of the ways to connect with people was to spend time with them around a table. And, uh, you know, around a table in France, and this isn't every table, let's get out of the cliche, but around some people's tables, you know, there's a, there's a dramatic focus on the food and stories around the food and what you're experiencing around the food. And like I show up and my palate is not at all as educated. Uh, you know, I'm this beginner surrounded by all these people who look like they've been, you know, spending their whole lives doing this. And a lot of them have, you know, think about this two to three times a day, uh, they're eating and savoring and sharing about it and externalizing, expressing what they like. It's not just, I like this, I don't, it's, way more nuanced. It's, oh, I love the texture of this donut or whatever it is, right? Wouldn't be a donut. But uh, so little by little through food in any case, I realized that there's a whole world to discover in the way that I uh, experience something. And on top of it, like there that you, you could express what you, oh, you can do this anywhere, but you, my experience was I could express what my experience was and even if it wasn't necessarily so accurate or wasn't necessarily so right or something like in tasting wine or something, nonetheless, it was my experience of that. 
And so the externalization of what I was experiencing was a huge part of it. And again, in a foreign language. And so like, you know, I'm like, I got pretty motivated to learn pretty darn quickly, you know, the, the language, how to express myself, and also to become super attentive to what we're experiencing and listen to what other people are saying about it and always kind of be in the context uh, of what the conversation was. And little by little, you start to pick up things, you start to by osmosis, just kind of being in the environment, you start to learn. I mean, you're in full immersion if you are present. And again, if your senses are there, if someone is saying they're smelling something in the dish and you're not taking a moment to smell it or question that or see if you identify that or like just even go through the exercise, even if you don't for a moment, know what the hell they're talking about. You can't connect the dots. You don't have the the synapses. You don't have the sensory uh, intelligence yet. Nonetheless, you're going through the motion. So food was a massive uh, food, the experiences around food, the rituals around food, the honoring around food, the abundanceness of shopping for food, the storytelling around the meals that were had 20 years ago. You know, it's just like mind blowing, right? And so I just got really curious about that. And I happened to be in a family, a French family who cooked quite well. And my wife, didn't really like to cook, but the rest of her family kind of did. And I started to actually learn to cook to almost fill that spot. And so I started cooking more and more and more and more. And I'm learning with some of these people that are way more advanced than I am. And you're in like the ideal learning situation. If you come to your senses, if you're present and curious about that, you're not going to learn something if you don't care. If you come to some country and you don't want to learn the language, you're not going to learn the language. And fair enough, everyone decides what they want to do. I wanted to learn the language dramatically quickly because I wanted to be able to exchange with people and connect with people and share what I was, what I was experiencing. Also, so many questions and, and like you're missing all nuance of a culture without speaking the language. So I was super motivated like that. You know, the deliciousness of the food was insanely motivating for me to improve my palate and improve how I expressed around it. And again, it's like a metaphor for life. Think about this at work. Think about this uh, in uh, when you're vacationing. Think about this in all the different relationships you have, that you're getting more curious, the more, you're more present, you're more immersive. You're getting deeper about that. You're trying to find what there is to appreciate and savor and trying to know like what is what is valuable, what isn't. And also really at the end of the day, like connecting with what is your self-expression of what means something to you. I love this dish and this is why. Person sitting next to me, meh, and this is why. And that's fine. Same thing with movies, same thing with politics. You know, so that you feel like you can actually express yourself and that the main thing is expression and conversation and uh, connection in these, in these ways. So, so yeah, it had a huge influence on my opening to uh, uh, an experience of the world more sensorially driven potentially than uh, just through the head. Not that France is not a very heady culture, um, very intellectual and you know all about debate and all about freedom of expression and uh, you know even quite strong uh, you know and striking and all these different kinds of uh, kinds of things. And I will add just uh, you know France also the political system is full of a lot of different sides it's not just left and right and i believe that some cultures including american culture have put things into it either or yes or no on or off and i want to live in a world where it's not just on or off with the lighting i get a variator switch like how much i want to turn it on and off and then well hey wait there's a color switch i can make it blue and yellow so it's like all these sensory things that happen so it gives me a more global way of seeing the world, of accepting that there are other incredible cultures. And I'll just finish on this, Damla. 
my first three months in Europe 30 years ago, I was in Spain at some disco by myself. Um, you know, I decided I would go after my friends left to go back uh, to the States. And uh, I wanted to go out dancing. So I went to some underground club in this, you know, historic village. And I find myself with like Spanish music playing and all these Spanish people dancing like crazy and singing all the words of the songs in Spanish. And this went on for like the whole evening, like four hours, right? And so I'm 22, 23, hadn't really traveled too much besides Mexico and Toronto. Nonetheless, you know, very open-minded culture of multiple language speaking parents with European and other origins. And like, I suddenly realized how much of a, like a cultural hegemony and, you know, kind of vision that I was cultivated in and grew up in, even though again, quite open, uh, but that still there was this almost like sense, like, like there's a monopoly to culture. There's a monopoly to language and monopoly to music. I was like, no, the world is full of so much diversity mm. and everyone should be super proud of their country's creations. Uh, they have so much to share, whether it's by food, language, culture, art, artists, performers, whatever it is. And that no one is no one is superior. Some people are better at some things than others, potentially. But like, let's not get overly carried away with this if we want to live a you know an interesting life um, as an immigrant or someone who is interconnecting with different cultures or different people from a different state in the U.S. or something. Yeah. Oh wow. So I'm hearing a lot of, um, first of all, what I'm hearing when you speak is definitely the comfort zone expansion as you put yourself from one pond of water to the other one. And I'm also hearing you use a lot of um, water words, as I call them, like diving in, <laughs> submerging yourself. It was as, as I was listening to your experience in France, it's almost like you're talking about your experience submerging yourself into the cold water and learning to appreciate that which brings me to I mean it's almost like um for you this openness is it's it seems like it comes naturally but it's almost like there was an element of survival there like you you needed to learn things fast so you you opened up perhaps even more of the senses to be present but it ties into, um, it feels to me it was very intentional and it, it continues to be very intentional for you that keeping that openness um, and choosing that openness, which brings me to how do you talk about choice in the, um, in the context of savoring? How do we choose savoring? Yeah. Oh, I want to believe that we have a certain control over our experience of life and how we react to it. And so savoring is um, one of the ways to actually demonstrate that and to amplify and turn up the volume and increase the colors and augment the pleasure and you know, really release the uh, uh, intensity of actually experiencing uh, something like that. So you got to already just be aware that, you know, there's an option for you to change, adapt, and to voluntarily choose to put yourself into situations that are slightly uncomfortable. I'll give you another example. I just started a couple of months ago, I started doing like bachata and salsa dancing. Now I love to dance and I think I dance okay, but the minute you have to follow steps and everything, I'm like a beginner, I'm an absolute beginner. And it's the most humbling experience. I mean, I feel like I'm back in high school, <laughs> you know, and there's all these guys that dance better than me and lots of the women that dance really great. And like, I don't know enough steps and it's just really, really humbling. Uh, but I've chosen to put myself in that experience and I keep going back. And I even really like 
there's a deliberate practice-ness about this. Like I practice at home, just listen to music and I practice that my brain is starting to get it. And this is the whole thing. We kind of in our head kind of almost scare ourselves out of starting or trying something or we try something once and that's it's really hard to like something and or feel any flow or like it's a it's a doable challenge or that we can actually savor and get something like meaningful out of this for us including pleasure if we're such a beginner right it's it's really from my experience that's a really hard thing to do you have to go back a few times you have to give yourself some space and again you have to like go into it with a with the decision that you're going to really give it your best and you're going to be present and you're going to be this like beginner student and you know you're going to go through that growth uh, experience you're going to be in that growth mindset because uh, what happens is if we don't continue to open up to stretching and expanding our like sensory and just experience of life you know we let our head scare us out of it we let our head convince us out of it we let our head fall into hedonic adaptation comfort you know where it's kind of groundhog's day it's like it's just so easy too easy to just not get up 15 minutes early to dance for 15 minutes or whatever it is and so it's just that you know as you get more attentive to what you're experiencing uh, and savoring is very much about that it's a it's a it's using perhaps mindfulness um, just to kind of get you to a present moment awareness an observational kind of thing but savoring is the plus one plus two plus three over mindfulness mindfulness there's no judgment there's no giving meaning or value it's more an observation of what what is and what you're experiencing um, i've had people come to some of the experiences i create and stuff who are mindfulness people uh, and teachers and stuff. And they've come and said, you know, I'm a mindfulness person, but this like, you know, blew me away. And the, I found the, the experience of savoring when you choose that is how can you just make life more a celebration and more pleasurable and at least at a minimum take positive moments that are easy to be positive, but make them better. So, you know, again, food is such a great example. Like when I, I eat alone a lot and I cook quite a bit. And like when I eat alone, I cook nice things and I do my absolute best to sit at the table properly, use proper silverware, sit properly. Uh, you know, it's like a monk, a monk experience, right? <laughs> you know, and really be there to, to savor to try and remind myself to eat slower, to mm -hmm. remind myself to appreciate what I'm experiencing. And, you know, and even express it, in a, not just in my mind, but externalize, like, like this salmon is perfectly cooked. I love the tenderness. It's not overly cooked. It's not dry. It's juicy. I can taste a little bit of um, the saltiness of the ocean. And it's making me feel good. And you externalize that. And so you're, you're creating more value with the experience that you're going through with savoring. And you're building like a bank of experience that you can dip back into at any moment. I can go back into that salmon eating meal and remember that. And again, this is like experiences so much in France. You know, someone tells you about a meal they had 30 years ago, about a wine that they drank 20 years ago, you know, and not just the, the what it was, but the year, and what it was like, and all these kinds of things, you know, it's absolutely incredible. And I'm, you know, I can't really do that much, but, you know, a little bit. Uh, but anyway, like this, this, this sense of being able to choose your own experience, like, I don't want to be sitting around a table. And like, you know, everyone's having such a great experience. And for some reason, I'm not there. For some reason, I'm not getting the joke. For some reason, you know, I'm like, why is everyone so happy? Why is everyone enjoying this so much? I don't want to live a life like that, particularly when you realize that you can control, again, coming back to your senses and your presence and your awareness, where you're guiding your focus and how you use that concentration, you know, to push things out or to bring things in. I mean, one of the great exercises in savoring and just concentration, et cetera, is 
you know, sitting somewhere and going through all five of your senses, four or five of your senses, and focusing on the one thing within the sense. So I'm sitting outside in a park and I'm, I, I close my eyes and say, all I'm going to do is listen. I'm not going to feel the wind on my face. I'm not going to smell what I'm smelling. I'm not going to feel my butt on the chair. I'm just listening. And so I hear birds, I hear kids, I hear cars, I hear motorcycles, I hear a plane go by. And then wait a minute, let me just focus on the birds. Cross everything else out. And so little by little, you train yourself to be able to decide where you're going to focus. You become the auteur, the movie director and writer and producer of your movie, your life experience. Like you're going to say that I'm eating this dish and it doesn't matter that people around me are not enjoying it. I am so loving this. And I'm not going to shy off from that experience. Why well, should I be humble about something that I'm loving? Why should I withhold my joy? I mean, it's like, is that not the like ultimate spreading of joy to express that you're enjoying something? So others feel that and they get that contagion. They're suddenly like, wait, wait, wait. Actually, I need to be a little more present to that. Like, I think I'm missing something. And even if they're not, but like just so you have a more juicy, colorful, richer, alive fullness experience uh, of life. And savoring is a, a really beautiful um, technique and practice and way of creating this more abundant experience of life. And, and if really, if you think about it, the brain, when you replace it with something, this works. So if suddenly I'm in some negative thought about something that happened at work, I can't seem to let go of it. But I'm tasting something because I've made something so delicious in my plate. And I've plated it so beautifully. And I've paid such attention to it. And maybe even in that process, I've helped separate myself from all this other stuff going on. And I'm really present to it. And I can actually celebrate and savor it more because I've made it special. I made it like a celebration. And why, why shouldn't life be a daily celebration? It sounds very kind of Zen. It sounds very kind of, you know, um, maybe a spiritual way of looking at life, a, a philosophical way of looking at life. But when you really relate it to your senses, it becomes extremely tangible to your, to your every moment uh, experience. It's just the ultimate, it's like a really fantastic enhancer of life and like who doesn't want to be able to have the control over their own all these tools to make your experience better and learn better to actually value what you're experiencing and and really what it does is it brings you into gratitude and yeah. that's a great place to yeah. what i'm loving about what you're saying is um first of all i love the the um experience bank all the savored moments are there for you to revisit when you need to that's a wonderful thing and then as you visit them it's like our bodies re-experience them and then what's coming to me as you're speaking is that we we already have this like we have the side I mean most of us I should say we have the sight we have the taste we have the touch the here like we have these faculties we have these tools and what I'm hearing you say is that why not make good use of them and just have them um, be open to their full capacity. Which brings me to the question you mentioned, paying attention to the good. And I know you also talk about choosing the meaning of your life events or meaning making. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, life, life is going to happen. And we're going to strive and seek in our, in our own experience and in, in what the life is that is each of ours to live the life that we love and hopefully love the one that we're living. And if not, adapt, change, you know, alter, adjust, uh, maximize, say no to, you know, do what we need to do it. Again, it's like if, if you want to feel like you have some agency that you are really the hotel, the, the creator of your experience, I feel that we have to get better at really getting intimate with what our experience is so we can start to better know through contrasting the experiences of what we end up not liking 
to knowing better the things that we do like. Um, food, again, great example. You taste lots of different kinds of things and you realize better what you like. Take a piece of meat, for example. Like, how do you like your meat cooked? The only way you know, uh, if you haven't just followed what your parents did for you when, a kid, when you were a kid, is having tasted a lot of different, but like the range of it, from raw to, you know, so cooked it's, you know, like a, like a brick, right? And so all the nuances between and had multiple experiences of that. And so once you have this catalog and this encyclopedia of experiences, you're able to really better know what you like, what you want, and why. And you can express that, and you can share that. And it helps very much clear what are good decisions for you in your life. And so, you know, what's a better example of what's meaningful for your life than decisions that are aligned with who you are and what you appreciate and what you savor? And so, you know, it's, it's, it's not to just accept constantly through life that someone else chooses how you, your steak should be cooked, you know? Uh, it's, it's taking back the ownership for, wow, actually, if I'm the CEO of what this all means, as every CEO in a com com company will have to do and explain to the press and the market and the staff through a vision and through how that's going to be executed, like, what does it all mean? Why are we doing this? Um, and what is the value that we give to it? And this is great when you go through traumas and tragedies and difficult moments. Like, what is the, what is the meaning of that? Um, you know, same thing, I'll back, go back to the cold water. Like, for me, what is the meaning, David, of you going into the cold water every morning? Like, why does that mean something to you? Well, it means a lot to me. And I have, my, I have many reasons why it means a lot to me. And I've so revisited that, that it's become who I am. Uh, you know, that, that kind of uh, going into the cold water. And, and, I, and I want to have that experience in other parts of my life where it's not so easy. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's taking back of the narration, the story that you're writing about who you are, what you're capable of, uh, what something means to you. And again, like come back to the simple, small, daily things in your life. Like if you can't start giving meaning to the little things in the life, the little details in your life, you know, like food, again, such a great example. Like you can plop onto your plate um, all the different things you're eating, or you can kind of try and make it kind of pretty when you do it and do a nice plating. And you've suddenly, by demonstration, given meaning that you are nourishing yourself and this is a temple and this is self-love 101 and this is a moment of pleasure and you're not going to let averageness or whatever it is kind of take that over you by your philosophy and by your deliberate choice and and then by practicing and then getting better and then suddenly it becomes you know more than a habit it becomes a lifestyle and when you're doing this with multiple parts of your life, you're giving meaning to all the different aspects of your life. And it's way more about you choosing than you just being in comparison or FOMO, fear of missing out or, or envy or jealousy or um, you're not enough or some kind of unhealthy compensation or potentially an addiction that is addressing some emotional thing that you're not, you know, you're, you need to probably give a different meaning to. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's about getting resourceful in your own head about rewriting the narrative, right? Asking a different question that's a better question uh, when you're stuck, you know, uh, um, and redirecting your attention. And so your energy and then your activation of you know, what, what it means to live the life that you want to, to lead. I think um, there's a lot there about almost like bringing the attention back to here, back to development, and then choosing meaningful experiences here and the now, which in turn 
create a little bit more um, space in your container in the body to even hold the difficult parts a little bit better. Because when we're constricted, when we're in the fight or flight, when we're not even allowing ourselves to, to savor, to enjoy something, it's, it's harder to look at something from different angles. First, you need to tend to the, to the vessel and to the body or, the, or what I call the container of your light being. So, um, and, and I hear you about how appreciation comes in and, and you do need to get creative sometimes with that, the gratefulness part. Sometimes you do need to appreciate the simpler things, your, your tea or the touch of the, the clothes on your skin or, or whatever it is. Um, but there's all, if you pay attention, I feel like there's always something there for you to anchor yourself in. And then that could be the starting point. And then the next moment, there's something else. The next moment, maybe you go to the grocery store and you, you pick some beautiful ingredients for a beautiful dinner, like you were saying. Um, what I wanna know is, um, David, what are you learning now and what's next for you? I'm learning uh, to dance uh, bachata, <laughs> <laughs> which is an adventure in itself. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, there are other things I'm, I'm working on that are involved with how I deliver um, different teachings and uh, different, um, let's say, experiences and potentially methods for people to uh, access better in their everyday life using everyday life, um, savoring appreciation and lifefulness. And, you know, it's quite interesting because at the end of the day, uh, life is in a lot of ways quite simple, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. Uh, and the challenge is even if you can come to a state of presence, which is pretty good, you know, how do you make that pleasurable? Um, you know, it's one thing to kind of be able to calm down yourself and deconnect from the world at a certain level, but there comes a point where, you know, you want to be engaged, particularly in the period we've been going through the last period. There's been a lot of sort of internal private time and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I'm working on, uh, you know, providing people with some some tools and strategies to actually re-engage with the world in a way that's meaningful and brings them pleasure in the sense of a, a lifefulness. Because again, it's almost like we're starting back up from a, a, a dormant period. And so the question is, how do you best help people so that as they re-engage with the world, we don't just fall back into the habitual comfort, convenience, hedonic, um, cognitive bias, addiction, you know, all these different types of things, uh, lifestyle and or habits. Uh, for me, it would be a real shame and a missed opportunity given the period that we've gone through that people will have not taken this to actually uh, recreate this intimacy with themselves and to know better about uh, what, uh, what they want in their lives, what's what's important, fundamental and essential, and to actually reconfigure and adjust their life more in that way. I mean, work is such a great example. You know, when I work with sort of ambitious people, people, you know, ambitious people, people are going towards something potentially that, you know, they want to succeed at, they want to be a high performer, and often they are. And really the question is, you know, how do you, how do you go on that path without um, burning out or boring out or, you know, damaging yourself in some way, like your well-being, your health, potentially like really important relationships uh, and, and even your prosperity and, and, uh, and wealth and all of that. Uh, so I'm working on different ways to uh, bring that into people's lives. And at the end of the day, you know, it's a lot about living a, a life of a lifefulness with more pleasure and more savoring, which doesn't take away from it being meaningful and purposeful. 
Uh, I think that it's a way to live with less waste and to maximize and take a little bit more advantage of who we are and what we want uh, in the world. So I'm very focused around that, uh, that area. I love that. How can people find out more about you and your wonderful teachings and programs, David? Well, you can find me on davidbrower.com. That's D-A-V-I-D-B-R-O-W-E-R.com. It's also alivefulness.com with one L, uh, like mindfulness, I guess. Uh, that's one L, right? Uh, and uh, you can also find me on davidbrowerpleasurecoach.com. And I'm on Instagram um, at the sensorial guy and also on, on Facebook. Those are really the, the main ways to, uh, to connect with me. Beautiful. And you are generously offering a uh, free 30-minute saver your life session to the first four people who contact you mentioning this podcast. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And if you're listening, this is your chance to, um, to connect with David. David, I want to say thank you so much. This, was, this has been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> on the topic and I want to finish by um when I contacted you first you wrote me back something that was sort of a beautiful moment for me you said and I I asked you if you wanted to have a conversation and you said yes because you you sound it sounds like you are an inspiring journey and I was like that's that's such a beautiful beautiful things to say and I want to extend it to people and add it as a reminder that you are the listeners are also an inspiring journey and sometimes it takes a little bit of pausing and paying attention to savoring to remember that to make space for really feeling um, your beautifulness and expansiveness so thank you so much for for doing the work you do and for joining me in conversation Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Conversations with Healers. If this episode spoke to you in any way, please leave a review or comment, like or love it, and share it with others in your life. This is a true soul love project from my heart to yours. I really appreciate your help in spreading the word. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and check out other episodes to listen to some extraordinary healing stories and advice. Have a beautiful and wonderful day.